0: Go with D. I feel like Halo on the Miami Heat. The words I speak off this sheet are like a 3P. I don't just hop on a track, I bring running cleats. I'm a player for real, more than an athlete. Let like my mama tell it, coulda ran for the Senate. Instead, I penned it for Donovan Bennett. I'm cemented, this a deep dive. In your headphones of a long drive, up close and personal, just like you caught side. They ain't no out of bounds here, no offsides. We going live in one, two, three, four,
1: five. You are now tuned in to going deep with Donovan Bennett
0: certainly are and it's a good day to be talking sports great news yesterday as christine sinclair and diana matheson brought us project eight an eight team soccer league for women in this country it's far too long but as per usual our women are leading our evolution and our revolution and they are being tasked with building the infrastructure, despite the fact that they didn't have it when they were coming up to be beneficiaries of it. We will talk about this in an ongoing fashion on this very podcast. We're going to hopefully catch up with, if not them themselves, but people around Project Gate to put it in context. If you want some context as to why this is an important matter, all you have to do is scroll through our archives. Our first ever episode was Christine Sinclair talking about the fact that this was badly needed. Her women's national team teammate, Quinn, said similar things a few episodes later. So we're going to continue that conversation. I think it, quite honestly, is one of the biggest stories in Canadian sports. So I hope it's not underreported. It won't be in this space. Another story that I'm quite sure is underreported in Canadian sports right now is going to be the main topic du jour for this episode. And that is what is happening, or quite frankly, not happening in the UFC right now. And you may predicted the huge growth of gambling around the world would lead to issues with sports and sports organizations. And unfortunately, those issues right now are at the feet of the UFC in MMA specifically. You may have heard by now, Derek Minner had an undisclosed knee injury going into a fight in the beginning of November. His coach was Jerry Krause. Krause nor Minner alerted anyone about the injury and Krauss then bet on Minner's opponent to win. Now, UFC's chief business officer, Hunter Campbell, has informed all fighters that, effective immediately, fighters who choose to continue to be coached by Kraus or who continue to train at his gym will not be permitted to participate in UFC fights. This right now is all pending Nevada's investigation into the suspicious, suspicious handling of the fight and the irregular betting activity that happened around it. Kraus's license has also been suspended in Nevada, and the UFC has released... Well, what does this mean for us as Canadians? Well, there's a big part of the story around wagering. Alberta has recently joined Ontario in becoming the second Canadian province to halt UFC wagering right now. And that's all UFC wagering. Not all MMA, just UFC specifically. Pending UFC wagers have all been voided. And something tells me this is just the tip of the iceberg. Both in the UFC and in mixed martial arts, again, I think this is one of the biggest stories because there are massive ripple effects on how it plays out and and how do you really regulate something in a combat sport like mixed martial arts? Well, one of the best journalists who's been talking about it for a long time, who's been covering this case, is going to help us put it in perspective. That journalist is James Lynch. Please listen and learn as we go deep on the issues around wagering in the UFC with James Lynch.
2: Interested in the, uh, the betting side of things. Like how often do you partake yeah. in this?
3: Oh, I bet every single card, just about every fight. Really? Yeah, absolutely. We have a, I have a discord, like 2000 members in it. We crush it last week. We destroyed it. I take over people's accounts and play for them. Like I, I post the losses, you know, myself on some accounts. Like I don't, I do pretty well i make more money gambling on mma than i do anything else come on more than even coaching absolutely not like i mean if you're talking about time yeah no, like if i go out if i go out on a wednesday that's true. I go out on a wednesday to sunday that's the most you know what i mean i make 10 percent of a guy the majority of i mean if we're not talking about brandon moreno like right. most of my guys are int- entry-level guys making 12 12 14 14. you know i have some guys making in the 20s but even even at that like you get 10 percent of 20 grand is Two thousand dollars. I'm on the road every weekend Wednesday to Sunday. You know what I mean? Like it It just doesn't No. to answer your question. No, (laughs) it's not even close. Not even close.
0: So James I think that this is one of the biggest combat sport stories in the past decade and I think it's wildly being underreported, but I think it's probably because people don't really understand it So I'm hoping you can walk us through it Not only the fact that in Ontario and in Alberta, uh, gaming operators are no longer offering UFC bets, but the fact that the UFC has said, if you happen to be working with this trainer, we're going to look into that. How big of a story is the irregular betting activity uh, that is now being investigated?
1: It's starting to get a lot bigger when they dropped the hammer on Friday about James Krause, um, the head coach of Glory MMA, uh, being banned from working with uh, any of his fighters. Um, no fighters are able to train at the gym. They're not allowed to be cornered by him. It, it's a huge story now. It was, it was big before, but I think we didn't really know what was happening. Um, to give a little quick background here for your listeners, um, there was a bit of controversy in the Derek Minner fight that took place in November um, where there was some betting activity uh, right before the fight happened, about an hour or two before they saw a spike in betting uh, both in the opponent for Derek Minner and also in the first round uh, prop the under uh, so there's all this fishy stuff that happened and then you see Minner going into the fight visibly injured and gets finished in the first round now the reason this connects to James Krause is James Krause coaches Derek Minner so there was some thought that maybe there was some leaked information uh, some fight fixing potentially and uh, James Krause on top of being a coach also provides a betting service so you can imagine the conflict of interest there um, I, I think what people were waiting for was what was going to happen we, le- leading up to the on and the Alberta bands uh, with uh, you know sports wagering um, the there was some rumblings about obviously the UFC had mentioned at the time that James Krause would not be allowed to corner but there was no suspension of his license there was no um, you know policy out there uh, that that, you know anything else and then that sort of led to then the UFC coming out with a statement saying okay fighters managers coaches cannot bet on fights so there was that step as well but this to me was just the tip of the iceberg with James Krause And, and you're right it wasn't heavily reported but I think part of that was also we didn't really know what was going to be happening we knew it was a big story but we didn't know what sort of the consequences were going to be and now you know again even with this i think there's so much more that we're going to be finding out over the next couple of weeks and months in regards to uh you know what's going on with with wagering in, in in the ufc right now so
0: james Krause can be in a corner but james Krause can also have a
1: betting service how does that make sense it doesn't make sense at all but here's the thing Donovan There's there was no rule back then that you could do that, that like technically what he was doing there was no rule that was preventing him from doing that this is the problem what happened was uh, the UFC started you know obviously as, as you know in, in most sports now I mean gambling is becoming more popular especially in North America um, I don't think the UFC anticipated the, the problematic things that could be happening here we had a fight fixing issue a couple of years ago uh, with an opponent um, way back in I forget what year it was it was, it was, in, uh, it was in the UFC but it was someone uh, There were, there's were some ties to the mob and all this but it was something that wasn't like in our faces this like you mentioned with Krauss, there's a conflict of interest there's uh, you know a coach working here um you know doing a betting service as well and it was just one of those things where I, I think you know people slowly started to notice what was happening but there was no rule that was preventing that so that's why I think these books are now uh, saying look you guys have an issue you're not regulating this um you were late to the party and so that's why now we're seeing some repercussions for this but technically I think back then when he was doing it there was no rule from the UFC saying that it co- Coach could not be giving uh, betting advice and running a betting service. It was crazy if you think about it. It seemed
0: somewhat crazy at the time. Dana White, post-match, on the irregular betting activity in the fight, said there's absolutely zero proof that anybody that was involved bet on it. Now, in hindsight, why do you think Dana White was so bullish uh, with his statements?
1: because he's trying to downplay what what did happen and and he's wrong because there was irregularities in in the betting line here Um, as far as you know Krause's involvement and all that that is still yet to be determined but we know that he is being investigated that he is sort of the focus of this entire thing that's going on with the UFC right now but Dana White does this a lot where he'll just downplay things that are you know serious things that are happening and try and downplay it as just business as usual but the problem is you know now there's other people involved governing agencies you're seeing uh, you know like we mentioned there Ontario Alberta are now no longer allowing wagers. That's huge news. And you think of some of the sponsors that are involved in MMA right now, like DraftKings and some of these other big books. Um, it's a huge deal right now. So I think Dana thought they were going to get away with this. They did do an, an internal investi- investigation with this and found no wrongdoing. But that's not up to them now. It's up to these governing bodies. And now this is where things are getting really serious. And I think, like I said, I don't think it's just James Kraus. I think there's the tip of the iceberg here. ESPN's reporting on this now. There was a story where a coach uh, in, you know, they didn't name the coach, but there was a coach who said that they saw a fighter in the locker room and he seemed lethargic. And, and that coach went and placed a bet like that's insider information that's being traded here. So that's why I don't think I think Krause is sort of the focal point here. But I think it goes even beyond him. And I think we're going to see a lot of things unravel over the next couple months.
0: Before we do go beyond Kraus, tell us about him, because many people are learning his name for the first time. Who is James Kraus?
1: Former UFC fighter, um, he was you know had a pretty successful career and then transitioned uh, you know into coaching quite early. He was uh, doing coaching at his gym in Gloria MMA in Missouri, uh, Lee Summit, Missouri, and was attracting a lot of fighters. And he was sort of known as this really uh, well uh, you know put together coach. And then I want to say a few years ago uh, he started getting into to, to betting. Uh, he actually used to do a show on ESPN uh, that was on YouTube uh, for betting, and that transitioned to some other things that he's doing. And I mean, him giving out betting advice, I don't think there's a there's a huge deal there because he's just giving out advice. Uh, but for him to do a paid service, that's where there's the conflict of interest there. And that's where I think it was just in bad taste on his end to do something like that. Um, because we do see other fighters and, you know, people that are analysts giving, you know, not necessarily betting advice, but just like, you know, information on the fights and everything. And, and James Krause, you know, prior to all this was regarded as one of the smartest minds in the sport. I, I don't know, um, you know, I'm trying to think of another sports comparison, but he was just known as a, as a really good coach, someone that was making a seamless transition from being a fighter to a coach. He's only 36 years old, but I think people are like, he's going to have a very successful future in coaching now it doesn't look like he'll be able to do any of that because of the fact that he's not allowed to work with UFC fighters it's a huge blow to him and um, it, it's really interesting how you know this once considered very prominent uh, name in the sport has now been almost blackballed to a certain degree but even you saying him giving betting advice you know isn't the biggest thing just shows
0: you how Culturally, socially, how different MMA is from the major four sports that it tried to attach itself to? Because I can't imagine Bill Belichick, you know, saying in front of, you know, news cameras, hey, you know what, I think you should actually bet the under on Mahomes passing yards because the Bengals drop eight and he struggles with that coverage. How much of this conversation for the UFC is really about the optics that they were trying so hard For so long to show that we're a legitimate sports organization in a big way. We're not similar uh, to some of the other MMA startups from yesteryear. And now some of that credibility is gone
1: well and, and I think also it doesn't help when I mean the fighters I mean we could go into a whole topic on how the fighters are maybe not paid what they're supposed to be paid but you look at a lot of the fighters have betting sponsors I mean there's there's a handful more than a handful of fighters who if you look on their Instagram page before a fight comes up they're giving out picks and again like this is that gray gray area where it's like you know they're giving out picks maybe they have some infi- inside information um, like can you imagine like a Sidney Crosby doing like an ad for DraftKings like well he's about to play that night or something you know it's, it's kind of crazy if you think about it but I think I honestly think what happened Donovan was that you know the betting community you know the, the betting system came in and uh, with, with, with MMA and it's been there for a while but now that's in North America it's becoming more legit um, it's one of those things where I don't think the UFC had anything in place for things to go sideways and that's what we've seen happen is people taking advantage of the situation so I think it's a combination of um, you know the UFC has all this extra money because of the betting sponsors and and fighters you know obviously getting some extra income as well but I think they didn't anticipate what could go wrong here and I think I honestly think they ignored it and it just now it's it's formulated. Into this huge story. When people talked about combat sports and
0: potentially someone taking a fall, so much of the focus is on the people in the ring and not the people around them and their corners and how much control they have. I think of the many problems that the UFC now has, uh, I think the biggest one is with a partner like DraftKings and maintaining the credibility of that relationship and maintaining the money. Continuing to come in how does the UFC manage this and manage
1: that relationship moving forward? that's the big question and, and i'm curious to see what steps they're, they're going to implement they need some sort of board or something to just monitor this or to at least make it so there isn't any inside information getting out i'll give you another example of something that happened recently and on a more high profile scale uh, we had the bantamweight title fight um back in october in abu dhabi tj dillashaw clearly injured going into the fight like he could barely fight when he when the fight had started um and and it was just like how does that get past the commission like this is what i mean where it goes beyond james kraus like we had a high profile title fight um you know where someone is clearly injured getting past the commission can barely fight if anyone had got whiff of that information that's inside information they could use to go and bet there was nothing preventing that the bets for that fight were not void like if anyone had bet on i mean sterling was the favorite anyways the the champion but still like to me that's where things get really weird and and to answer your question about what they're going to do like i don't know what it would look like i don't even know how they're going to monitor fighters not betting who's to say a fighter can't tell like a relative to go you know give some information and go bet on and it's it's very interesting compared to some of the team sports right like that's where things are i'm very curious myself to see how they're going to do that but they need to have some sort of committee or something to monitor this i think just to show some legitimacy that they are trying banning kraus is the, is the first step i'm sure but i think there's so many other things that they're going to need to monitor going forward from a betting perspective when you compare
0: you know this situation to you know other sports the injury was undisclosed technically mm-hmm. the, the knee injury right. but you know we're at the point in football a sport that is very cloak and dagger where you get a report every day of who was at practice, what their injury was, how part of practice were or weren't they and, and so I wonder if it's possible to get um, you know fighters in that realm, but that that is somewhat antithetical to the way a fighter and his team would prepare for a fight, obviously not wanting you know the other side to know everything that's going on i don't know how you marry these these two worlds moving forward.
1: I don't either, and that that's that's the interesting question. Like you said, like and and we're talking about a sport where people are hurting each other. So if someone has an injured knee, you don't think that opponent's going to go for the knee in the in the fight. So that's where that's where it gets really interesting. And I think it's such a complex issue. And I am very curious to see how the UFC is able to sort of navigate through this. I mean, obviously things are bad right now. They are taking steps, but what is the future going to look like? They can't have commissions, you know, not allowing betting. I mean, that's going to be a really bad look for them. So you wonder how they're going to get through it. But I'm telling you, if a guy like T.J. Dillashaw can go into a title fight and have a really bad shoulder to the point of where he can barely punch. I mean, are they even going to be able to figure that out? I don't know. It's just that they're going to have to be stricter on, on the injuries. Um, there could be a lot of fight cancellations even more than there already is. I mean, everyone going into a fight has some sort of injury, but when a fighter can barely fight, that's where you've got some serious issues and it gives a huge advantage to their opponent. So we'll, we'll see how that uh, they're going to monitor that going forward. Well, having you know, provinces n- not allowing betting is one
0: thing. Having them take a further step and potentially not allowing fights is another. What is the impact of what we've seen in Ontario and Alberta and what is the potential ripple effect?
1: Well, I think you're going to see uh, people who are betting on the UFC look to offshore books. Um, you know, I hate to say it, but I think that's kind of where people are heading. If you are betting, there is still ways that you can bet. You just cannot bet in Ontario using an Ontario sports book. Um, so I think there's that. And then I, I think I think the hope is that they are going to change their mind at some point. The UFC is going to make policies that are going to um, you know improve the situation. I know there was a report that came out from Aaron Bronstedt mentioning how um, you know the the Ontario Commission is aware of James Cross being banned, but they need to see more. So this is what I mean by I don't think it's just James Krause is you know him being banned is going to fix everything they need to take further steps to monitor you know wagering activity to monitor uh you know who's giving out information and and all that and and I think the hope is from the UFC just as you know just as my hunch is that they're hoping that they can do the right steps and to get these decisions reversed I don't think it's something they're thinking is going to be permanent but it is a huge blow to them because again they rely a lot on the Canadian audience there are a lot of people who bet and I think it is a huge it's a huge story right now in our industry.
0: So still legal in B.C., Manitoba, and Saskatchewan. This obviously bears monitoring moving forward. But looking backwards,
1: will past fights be looked into because of this? I don't think so. I and and it's and I'll and I'll tell you why because we've seen instances in fights where things have happened that you know maybe were illegal. We had the Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler fight where there was clearly like a fish hook in the fight. They didn't change anything about it. That's on the commission. So I don't think they'll go back and change results. Um, it could be wrong. I mean, again, if there's another if the government's involved here, maybe that changes things a bit. But um, I know from the way the UFC's done business, if something happens, they move past it and they try and prevent it from happening going forward. But I don't think you'll see fight results change or anything like that. Lastly, before I let you go, Mm -hmm. if Dana White happens to
0: hit you on the phone, says, James, I trust you, what
1: should I do moving forward?
0: What would you tell him?
1: I would tell them you need to speak to people who know what they're doing about this. Look at other sports. Um, you know, again, you don't see this issue with, you know, other major sports here. They have figured out a way to, to prevent this stuff from happening. I would talk to people that are smarter than you because I just don't think they have a concrete future plan. They need to they, they need to really sell this to the commissions, to the gaming commissions, to, to show that they are making improvements, that this type of thing won't happen um, and and that there's no... And, and it's not even, again, just, just the wagering. I mean, there's issues with judging. There's issues with all types of things in the sport that I think they need to look through and really clean up to make sure that people when they're watching a fight they know it's fair and there's no like i said insider information or there's any other things that could be exposed there so what i would tell dana like i said is to just talk to people that are smarter than you and uh, when it comes to this stuff from other sports and see what they're doing make a plan be clear about it stick with that plan and then you're going to win people's trust over and when i say people i mean the gaming commissions well we
0: took the advice that you gave dana we talked to someone that's smarter than us thank you for educating us on
1: the topic (laughs) Thanks for having me, Donovan. Appreciate it.
0: That is James Lynch, who educated us on the topic. You can follow him at Lynch on sports on Twitter show. You're a person I trust. You heard that and your thoughts were what?
2: Well, first I'm not a, I'm not the world's foremost gambler. I don't wager a lot of money personally because it's usually uh, ends up not in my own pockets. So I, t- I tend to not gamble too much over the course of my lifetime, but I think uh, and you mentioned it to James that uh, other provinces are already looking at this way. I I I would be shocked at this point if BC for example was not like the next province to probably fall in line with Ontario and Alberta because it certainly feels though as though at this point that uh, well certainly the, the new kind of wagering laws in our country I think certainly make it a little different, make the entire wagering landscape a little different. But I I would be surprised if other provinces didn't very quickly follow suit after the two most populous provinces in our country. So with uh, BC probably being the next one, I think they're going to have to figure out some some answers on this relatively quickly because I I would imagine they don't want to alienate millions and millions of potential customers when it comes to gambling. And the UFC has such a, a fun product to follow on television. It's, it, it, the storylines are there, and the actual product itself is very entertaining. But, I mean, look, look at the growth of the NFL, right? I mean, you and I both love watching the NFL. We love interacting with it. We both play fantasy football. The growth of the NFL would probably always have been there but it's no doubt been helped by the ability to wager on it and play fantasy sports in relation to the games, right? So I think if the UFC wants to grow, I'm not saying it's going to be growing at the same rate the NFL has because that's the most popular sport in North America at the very least. But I, I would imagine the UFC has to fix some things if they want to continue growing at a pretty large and fast rate.
0: Yeah, I mean the NFL is a great example because I have a bunch of NFL group chats and... More than fantasy, more than storylines, which I think are a big driver. Huge amount of the conversation in that chat every Sunday is about bets that people have made. And and I'm not one of those people, but I certainly see the influence uh, that it has. So going throughout a week in the NFL, a lot of the breaking news is about the health and the availability of players. And the fact that you can count on that information to be true is a big part of the reason why people feel confident in betting. I do feel confident that in this country, we are getting into a much better place when it comes to pathways for young players to become professionals, specifically young females, and not just on the field. I'm talking about coaching, management, in support staff, in all facets. And so that's why I was really happy to see the news, Diana Matheson and Christine Sinclair, that a league is coming. Project eight. The goal is to have eight different markets. You know, Aircan and CIBC have been founding partners. And so shout out to them for, you know, putting their money where their mouth is, quite frankly. The goal is to have a national team member on every single team. We've already heard that the Vancouver White Caps are involved, the Calgary Foothills are involved. I'm super fascinated to see where those other six markets are. And the venues that they play in. But more than anything, I I did feel a, a little bit conflicted. It's something we've talked about for a long time, so I'm happy that it's here. But I was almost angry for Matheson Sinclair. Like, only in female sports do we ask the elite of the elite to be great despite infrastructure and then build the infrastructure as their legacy to the game. We are trying to build a plane in the air and not only does they have to be the pilot, they have to go back and serve drinks as well. I feel like this news should be coming from someone other than our greatest players. But I'm happy that it's here. When you heard of the Project 8 news, you were a little distracted because you were on the air hosting a show. But now, show, since you've had some time away and a bit of time to reflect, what's your immediate takeaway?
2: Well, I was definitely very excited when I saw the news, uh, and I think you're right because the, I think the way it was presented was Christine Sinclair and Diana Matheson made the announcement. I think on the national, I think it was in the national with it Adrian was. Arsenault, yeah. and uh, that was really cool because I super I, jealous, yeah, of yeah, Adrian <laughs> Arsenault for
0: many reasons. For many this reasons, is another yeah. one.
2: I was it was really cool to see that, but it's true. I mean, you would think that such an announcement would come from I mean, like a like a corporation, like a, like MLSC or something like that, or or whatever organization owns the Vancouver Whitecaps or whatever organization owns the, the Calgary team as well. Um, and like you said, I, I am very much looking forward to seeing, I think they said it's eight teams, So I'm looking forward to seeing what the other six markets end up being. I, like, I mean, I would be surprised if there's not one in the GTA because it's the GTA, it's the largest market in the entire country. So I would guess there's one here, but it's true. I mean, it, you would, you would imagine that it would, it's not a sell job be, because by the, of these two greatest players of all time, but at the same time, it is really cool that they are the ones involved because as we talked about when we talked to uh, Christine in the very first episode of this program, she is the most famous soccer player ever in this country. Period. So I, I think it's really cool that she's involved. I like I selfishly, desperately hope the team is not. When I see the GTA, I, I desperately hope it's in Toronto and not like in Mississauga or something because I live down here. So it would be really cool to be able to go to games. But um, and I'm also crossing my fingers that it's at BMO because I live very close to BMO Field. So. Uh, that's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping for. But you know, they, one of the interesting things they mentioned was that I think it was like the cost of a franchise. I think they said on to to Adrian was uh, it was like between eight to ten million dollars U.S. And I mean, to a lot of these co- corporations that own professional sports franchises in the country of Canada, I mean, ten million dollars, for example, it's not a lot of money. Like it's a, that's like a rounding error. That's less money than both Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner make. On a, year, on a on a yearly basis, not even over the course of their entire contract. So, like, for example, if MLSC wanted to do that, they, I'm sure they could, right? It's the same conversation we've had when it comes to maybe like a WNBA franchise in the city or elsewhere in Canada, right? So I, I it's definitely doable, which makes me optimistic that it, it will be relatively successful.
0: There's some major Fortune 500 companies where that's... A line item in their marketing expense. So certainly, when you think of the goodwill, when you think of the brand affinity, when you think of the ability to own what they believe will be an ascending asset, I I think it makes a, a lot of sense. I'm looking forward to continuing to monitor what happens in that space. I'm also hoping that with this model, there could be some shared learning, some shared opportunity, and that the PWHPA becomes a domestic league. Yeah. In Canada, that in the basketball space, if not a domestic league, we get a WNBA team or teams. Because so I think there are multiple markets in this country that could support one. I hope it's the start of something more and more progress. When People like Billie Jean King are tweeting that they're excited about it. Um, I, I think we all should be really excited and see where it goes. We'll ask Sid Cicero how excited he is about it. Sid comes up next. Talk about a lot that's going on. In sports, stay with us.
3: My name is Lucille Bryan. I'm Clifton Bryan. My
0: grandson has a show, and I'm so happy
3: that you're listening to Go and Deal with Donovan Bennett. I'm so glad that he had a show. Thank you.
0: His name is Sid Sarrell, and he joins us on my show. And my grandparents actually. Quite capt, like Sid, will be cheering for Portugal uh, today because when I moved to Canada, I lived in College Dundas area uh, early here in uh, Toronto, which is a you know heavy Portuguese neighborhood. So um, they feel like an extended part of the family, and they're they're happy when other people are happy. Sid will be happy if Portugal gets a result. I want to touch on a bunch of things, but I'd be remiss if we didn't start there. Sydney, how are you feeling? How are the emotions right now as we are a couple hours away from kickoff to the knockout stage match that you really care about?
4: Um, I'm going to talk to you, Donovan. My initial feeling in this moment is resentment because, and I I was going to bring this up to you when I heard your first pod, um, the idea of having family do liners uh, has really never been replicated by anyone in Canada. Uh, the Lovatard idea, and you have taken that, and now I can't do it if I ever get my own podcast again. And I resent that because it's a great idea. Your your grandparents sound like delightful people. And it's a personal way to let people, the listeners, into your world. Like, it's a great idea and one that I cannot steal anymore. And I resent that. I flat out resent it.
0: I mean, one, you can do it. Two, I'm pretty sure that if you had the opportunity to do it, you would just seed cede- that platform to behind-the-plate Nona, who is your homegirl, and you would get a liner from her. So, I mean, let's let's not cast aspersions. Let's keep it real.
4: By the, way, by the way, maybe this is a topic for another pod, another show. That was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had in a Blue Jay game, was sitting next to Blue Jay's Nona. That was a lot of fun.
0: So for those who don't watch 162 baseball games like me and Sid – there is a wonderful, delightful young lady who sits behind the plate. Uh, essentially, is it not every game, Sid? Every home game?
4: Every uh, every series opener. Okay. And uh, it's tough if there's if it's a series opener on a Friday. She's usually not there. On a Saturday.
0: But I love every how you series, have her schedule.
4: I know, dude. I, so I got the whole you have no idea what I learned. She's amazing.
0: She also goes she bank every second Friday with her passbook. <laughs> <laughs> There's groceries afterwards. But
4: that's her schedule. Like it's it's uh, it's fairly regimented, but series openers she's diligent. She needs to be there for the series opener. She's, it's non negotiable.
0: So she is essentially the Blue Jays version of Nabatia Superfan. Except from temperament, she's the opposite. We're novice, up and down, and jumping, and high-fiving. She's not that
4: different. She's not that different, man. Well, I've Let never, se- I've
0: never seen her flinch.
4: No, there, there are
0: balls that get hit straight back, and she's standing there as if she's Kobe Bryant versus Matt Barnes.
4: <laughs> You're right, but the fire runs deep. She's got takes, a lot of hot takes, a lot so sizzling I can't repeat them publicly. Sizzling. You, so.
0: <laughs> you may be Wally Pipped in this uh, Tuesday <laughs> oh, no, segment no, for, no. <laughs> for Blue Jays no, no. no
4: The uh, one thing that freaked me out was, uh, one last story that we'll talk soccer, is because, I mean, Tim McAuliffe and I, we always had the discussion with Tom the with producers, Thomas Dobby and Jay Sands behind the scenes of Tim and Sid when I was on the show. Do we try and get her on? And we were always, like, afraid to ask like we, didn't know, like, we didn't know if we were overstepping our bounds. And one of the first things I asked her. Afraid.
0: was, Was is she a mob my, boss? Why are you afraid to have a.
4: The comp- respect level I have for her is immense. I'm telling you. This is because I, because, like, she's a fixture. Fixture. So, I, like, the one thing is in my mind was I was always afraid we were pissing her off just because I didn't know her. And we used her for a lot of content. All of it was respectful. Right. But you never know how people take it. And then I asked her, So would you have ever come on Tim and Sid? She goes, On the phone? I go, Yes, it would have been perfect on the phone. And she's like, Yes, I would have. I'm like, damn it. We had an opportunity with Blue Jays Nona to have her on as a guest, but it never out of sheer fear, I was afraid I was afraid to ask. Honest to God, afraid to ask. That that's how much I revere Blue Jays Nona.
0: It's funny because Nona's were the key demo for Tim. And said the radio incarnation, like we had known as sending you guys food at some point. Like that was a big part yes. of the fan base.
4: They would they would just randomly walk in the studio, lick their finger, and clean something off our face.
0: <laughs>
4: Everyone needs it. What twice a, a week, problem. a grandmother would just come in and, and clean the sauce off my face. Yes, you need something to eat. Big big demographic, big demographic. And
0: and they'd force you to eat before you left. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and and say say you look skinny, and
4: and say eat this. Yes, Yes. you look skinny.
0: (laughs) Uh, Oh man, where should we start? Okay, Uh, does where do you want to start? Does Ronaldo one start? Two, if he does, does he have the captain's armband? Three, does it
4: matter? I I think he starts, and I think he has the captain's armband. I think in this moment. And and forgive me, Donovan. I don't know if you went over the story earlier in the show, but, uh, okay. So the Portuguese, so last game, and I stress against a career Republic Portugal kind of had it in the bag. They had first in the group in the bag. There wasn't a ton on the line. With that said, Ronaldo got subbed off and he, he muttered something to, I forget forget who he gave the captain's armband to, but he said something. And then, Portugal's manager at his press conference yesterday was asked about this. Now, normally, um, you know, not just for Portugal, but for any manager where there's any type of sign of controversy, you want to squash that immediately. And the answer I was expecting was there's nothing here. He was fine. He said something to a a South Korean player. And Portugal's manager, Fernando Santos, came out and said, no, no, no. He said something. I didn't like it. We talked about it behind closed doors. It's squashed and on to Switzerland. That is as far reaching, that is like John Tortorella esque material from a manager who has defended this guy up and down since he became manager in, in 2016. And uh, I I mean, th- this is as close as you're ever going to get for that program to not start Ronaldo today. I've never, I've never seen this type of reaction to his BS. And at some point, with Ronaldo, people are going to be less afraid to stand up to him because if you're not scoring a bunch of goals five, you know eleven on eleven in open play, what are you really doing? If you're not setting up any goals in open play, what are you really doing? This is not Real Madrid Ronaldo where he's scoring forty goals and like getting fifteen assists in a year. That guy's gone. This is a different player. The ego is the same. He's just not as good. So I feel like you can stand up to him. And if you pulled the general Portuguese soccer public, I got to tell you, I think the majority of people would be fine with sitting him to start the game. That's not, that, that doesn't mean you don't see him, you know, coming off the bench, Ronaldo could be the best Ronaldo right now. I don't know, but uh, this is right now. It, it's a weird vibe with him. Weird vibe. Like that was his captain and Portugal's, Portugal's manager yesterday came out and said, no, we weren't good, but I fixed it. Next question. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how Pretty Boy reacts to that, because as Piers Morgan has taught us, he, he you know, Ronaldo can remember things. Ronaldo had to go to his cafeteria. People like he'll, he'll he has a he's a memory the size of an elephant's memory. So we'll see what happens here. I if, if I were betting on it, he starts. But and unlike in, in a lot of other occasions in previous years with this program, I can't say it's a guarantee. I'm really interested in seeing that team sheet an hour out at one o'clock Eastern. It's going to be interesting.
0: Well, for me, what was fascinating was the about turn essentially what just over a week apart, we're not far removed from their federation, essentially lobbying that he got a stray hair on a ball. And thus it should be his goal and not, not an own goal, not another attacking player's goal in Bruno Fernandez, only because it mattered to him out of ego and because he wants to always be in the conversation for the golden boot. And certainly, you know, this may be his last World Cup, so total World Cup goals is something that he is tracking. The fact that they seriously said to FIFA, hey, can you, can you take a look at this, with a straight face, and now are publicly saying, like, actually, no, we're not having any more of this, is, to me, a huge about turn.
4: Yeah, the story you bring up is fascinating because I had a family member send me the report that the Portuguese FA were lobbying to take Bruno Fernandes' goal away from him and give it to Ronaldo uh, from the Uruguay game. And I I, I thought to myself in the moment, I pray this is not true. But if it is true, Portugal will never win anything (laughs) because you can't have that going on. You can't, like, all of the accolades Ronaldo has gotten, if I'm Bruno Fernandes, who's been Portugal's best player, not in a sentence I expected to say prior to the tournament, but Bruno Fernandes has been Portugal's best player, you're really going to fight behind the scenes like a punk to add another goal to your resume that you barely, that you did not touch? Not barely, you didn't touch. I pray that story, Donovan, isn't true. I pray it's not true. And I I have to tell you something. The way that the manager was acting yesterday at the press conference, I almost think he was putting on a public spectacle for more than just the fans. Hmm. I think there are guys in that room. That video of Bruno Fernandes when he showed up at camp after Ronaldo gave the Pierce Morgan interview, you you can try and explain that away to me nine different ways. I saw what I saw. And I saw what eventually was a former teammate of Ronaldo's who who wanted nothing to do with him. His act is wearing thin. He's not producing anymore in open play. Hasn't been that for a long time. And uh, I, you have to worry about the room. This is the best Portuguese team ever. Ever. I've never seen a team this deep playing at this level in, in, in some of the world's best leagues. It has not happened. You can't have one idiot ruin all of it because of who he th- thinks he is, but really was. And I think yesterday was a very interesting moment. We'll we'll see how they react today. They're better than Switzerland. I respect Switzerland. Switzerland just beat France last summer at the Euros. I respect Switzerland a lot. But it, we're going to see how this team looks. Because I think there's been a lot of BS with Ronaldo behind the scenes that we don't even know about yet. And we'll see. They'll, if they're going to win this tournament, they have to be cool with each other. Have to be cool with each other. They can't you can't hate each other and win these tournaments. It's not like those old baseball teams where everyone takes a separate cab back to the hotel. Soccer's different. And we'll find out a lot today. I'm looking forward to this.
0: Well, he likely won't be around for another World Cup. Still could be around for the next Euro, but when he no longer is in the national team setup, I think the stories that come out when people start to sing like a bird will be fascinating. Uh, Definitely uh, bearing watching. A story that Dana White wishes would go away uh, is what is going on in the UFC right now or not going on in terms of sports betting and something that you talked about well before it was here and now it is. There are two principles that everyone needs for it to work. One, that the actual events or in this case fights are fair and two, that the people involved in them are not actually betting on them. I'm not sure the UFC could confidently say either uh, right now. I, I think this is a massive story that is just starting that has been criminally underreported. When you heard about the James Krause scenario and the fact that like, he said openly to a live mic to Ariel Hawani, yeah, I, I bet on fights all the time. What do you make of all this?
4: Well, first off, anyone who would say that on an open mic, let alone to someone as, as well listened to as Ariel Hawani is a straight up moron who deserves everything that comes his way, so this clown is done, and he's it's because he's not very so you know what in life some people aren't smart enough to have good things happen to them. <laughs> I honestly believe that i think there are there are pe- like some a, like misfortune sometimes finds people, and in life sometimes you create your own b s and this idiot not only opened a can of worms for himself but did his sport a complete dessert Look, i mean I I, I'm still trying to figure out what his end game was. I think he was high as a kite talking to Ariel. I have to watch (laughs) it again. Honestly, in what, who, who says that on a live microphone to the most, the most listened to MMA show in the history of human existence. I'm still trying to figure out what he was doing there. With that said, there are three sports where I believe this kind of stuff's been going on forever and people can dispute it with me. I think you're wrong. Because it's easy to do. Boxing is one. Yep. MMA is another. Yep. And I think when you really pull down, pull the, the curtain back on it, I think tennis is one of the dirtiest things in the history of sports. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You think guys retiring in the middle of matches is a coincidence? Where's the regulation on that? Hmm. Think about tennis for a second. How one person can control every outcome. If you're betting on a set, if you're betting on a game, if you're betting on the entire match, if you're betting on a future in, to win a tournament, or even you can you can bet on how far guy how far guys go in tournaments. There's every, everything is on the table in tennis, and two guys control it. You trust tennis? I don't trust tennis. Like my my conversation is this. Okay, let's crucify this guy from the UFC. And, and put a pall over some really competitive people in MMA for no reason. That's going to happen. It's not fair, but that's going to happen. But let's have the honest conversation about everything else that's going on. You, you, think, you think tennis, when it's controlled by two people like that, is straight up? You think now that every athlete in, in pro sports who has an app on their phone, especially here in Canada, it's all straight up? Let's leave Naiveville for a second, buy two plane tickets, and, and go somewhere else.
0: But couldn't you say that listen, about almost any individual sport? Couldn't you say that about well, F1? Like, there's a lot. of well, he, All of a sudden, F1, I oversteered, F1. and I'm into a, a bunch of old, you know, Michelin tires over here.
4: But like, I'm talking, but listen, if you're talking the top money earners, F1 have other priorities. There's only 20 of those seats in the world. Those guys can't be doing that. That's nuts. They can't be doing Even, like, what does is, what is the 19th best F1 driver make a year? I'm assuming pretty good. I'm assuming you're doing fine. What I'm what I'm saying is it, there there's certain individual sports like NFL, you need a lot of guys on the same page to do that. Right. NHL, even your even if you had three guys try and and mess with the line in hockey, if you're a forward, you're playing sixteen minutes a night? Like you're playing less than thirty-three percent of the game. Like, how do you really affect an outcome? I'm all I'm saying is I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm inherently skeptical of a lot of things, but if you think this is just a UFC MMA issue, you're dumb. You're dumb. Other leagues just hide it better. And I believe, I believe these stories pop up all the time, but the smart leagues make sure we don't find out about it. I'm still amazed Tim Donaghy was a thing. The NBA, the NBA clean up their issues very, very well. So, While we crucify MMA, and I understand why, let's keep an open mind here. Because there are sports on earth, high-profile sports, where weird things happen constantly. Floyd Mayweather bets on his own stuff. Everyone cool with that? Everyone fine with that? Okay, why? Why is everyone cool with that? It's funny when Floyd Mayweather does it. But when this, this trainer... Who I've never heard of in my life, high as <laughs> I was on Ariel's show, it's all of a sudden an issue. I don't get it. I don't get it. I, 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 think, it, I think it's, if you're going to have legal gambling in North America, why, is this, why does this bother you? Why is this an issue? Why, why are we making a mountain out of a moho on this when it's now legal?
0: Well, I think you, legislators you in Ontario are saying, "Can it be legal if this is that easy?" I think I think they are now maybe recalibrating what exactly they're going to allow to happen in their province.
4: Well, but okay. At the end of the day, though, you're not going to be able to regulate it. Do, do, do regulators in Ontario of legal betting apps think now now everything's okay with mixed martial arts? What about the other undercards? on UFC Fight paths that we don't know about that also are available to be bet on? Everything's on the up and up? That fight card from Russia, everything's on the up and up? What the the hell does anyone in Ontario know about that? People in Ontario made a ruling because they read an article on something that happened once on one of the biggest sports radio shows in North America. Like they did their homework. Story came to them. It's ridiculous. People don't have a handle on this. You can't. The horses are out of the barn. This is going to be a big, big problem. And we're seeing all the commercials run on the radio station. We're on right now sports Sportsnet and blah, blah, blah. And that's fine. Revenue's coming in. Times are tight. I'm fine with it. But if you don't think this is part and parcel with it, you have a problem. And stop thinking like it's not an issue. It's either you're either really naive or really dumb. Either way, it concerns me. This is going to happen. Period. Whether you like it or not. And I love people in Ontario thinking, oh, we took care of it. Oh, we, we took care of it. Because that tweet we saw about that one guy who went on Ariel's show, now we showed him. Really? All right. Now, I mean, believe that. Keep believing that. I can go on for another hour and a half on this. I, don't bully, like, I think this, is ama- this was an issue before legal gambling. Before. <laughs> it's going to continue. Well, the conversation
0: is certainly going to continue. There's so much uh, I wanted to get you on, but I'm glad you were able to speak some truth on that subject. Thank you, and enjoy, try to enjoy the match coming up, Sid.
4: (sighs) The sweet tension of this moment, I I I can barely describe it. Wish us luck, Donovan.
0: Love you. Good luck. Wish us luck. And thank you all for listening. This has been Going Deep once again. Appreciate you.